Welcome to Salty Investors, episode number 49. It is Friday, September 22nd, 2023. What's going on this Friday, Tim? Oh, it's overcast and warming up again here. What about down your way? Yeah, it's it must be the first time in months I've actually said, you know, it's not beautiful outside. It is actually overcast. It rained last night, my God. And don't we need it? It's all dry and um, you know, we're all ready to go up in a ball of flames, apparently. That's what I'm reading in the media. It's just, yep. you know, we should. And I hope that uh, people insist that Albo stand there and hold the prime ministerial hose when all the fires start, as they did with Scott Morrison, who was on holiday at the time. Um, anyway, so I think uh, on that note, I think you might have some salt for us along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, El Nino has been declared and, you know, that just means a bit drier weather than normal and on the east coast of Australia. It's been eight years since we've last had, you know, an El Nino event. So farmers have had plenty of time to prepare. I don't know how many once in a lifetime droughts I've been through, but it's been at least three. <laughs> um, they keep bailing, yeah, yeah. They keep bailing out poor farmers, you know, and mar on marginal country. And, you know, when it's inappropriate to be growing on a whole heap of this land, we need them, a couple of them to fail so fresh shoots can grow. We need strong and quality farmers to protect the environment and the future of farming. But will that happen this time around? Or will the bailouts and subsidies come back? What do you think? Oh, you know, um, yeah, as you said, what was it? Eight years to, to prepare? <laughs> yeah. um, now, has there been a survey done? Like uh, how prepared are they? You know, like. Is anyone? Nah, they probably not. But no. uh, yeah, you know, it's same old shit. Um, drought. We'll have um, you know, four corners programs about you know malnutrition cows, uh, and how the farmers will come on there and plead their case. And yeah, we'll we'll of course we'll and then yeah, the conservatives who are nominally sort of for free markets will come out and say, well, we got to protect the backbone of this country, you know, and because conservatives like subsidies too. It's just for different types of things, don't they? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's great to see the cycles come back around again, Tim. I missed that one. <laughs> well, you know, it's supposed to only happen once in a lifetime, but, you know, I've been through a few mm. of these already and I'm getting a bit sick of it, you know. Um, yeah. Um, well, it's like, pres it's like presidential elections, you know, this is the most important election of your lifetime. It's like, but I thought 2020 <laughs> was, and, 20, and 2016, and 2012, and 2008, they were all the most important elections uh, of your lifetime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. What are you salty about this week? Um, well, finally, uh, Shane Oliver, uh, the, you know, stalwart of AMP has come out and said that immigration rates are too high. Now, it's not surprising that he was late to the party, given <clears throat> this is the bloke that missed the single biggest economic event of his career in 2008. But, you know, he finally got there. I mean, and here's a quote from him. He said, what really counts for living standard is per capita GDP. And as we've said here, um, we're now in a per capita GDP recession you know it's been two negative quarters and surging immigration is making the housing shortage worse the role of immigration in the demand supply mismatch is critical to australia's housing woes this is shane oliver right so i think as more people you know as more people come to the obvious realization that mass immigration is contributing significantly to a housing shortage and a rental crisis and a decline in living standards uh, the immigration is too high as a right-wing dog whistles, just not going to cut it anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, once Shane Oliver's onto it, basically everybody's onto it. 
<laughs> I don't think he's ahead of the curve on anything here. So I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> so, no. So no. I think the, it's turning a little bit now. And yeah, you're noticing young people conspir- you know, concerned about cost of living and stuff. Like young people, mm. Luke. So once they're concerned well, about see, it. Yeah. yeah. Young, young people are going to have one of those meme moments, you know, with the guy, he's got one button and he's got two choices, you know, which is, uh, you know, like um, immigration is good. But, how, you know, they're going to have to make a choice because, you know, young people are generally going to be in favour of sort of mass immigration um, because they don't know any better. But, I mean, the funny thing is it's not like it's not like your your position is we want no immigration because mm. we want to keep the country oh, Australian yeah. or white or what some kind of backwater. I mean, everybody is actually pro-immigration. It's just about how many people yep. come in. I mean... You know, I use the example all the time when I talk to people like this. I said, imagine, because we had we had 562,000 net migration last year, which was way higher than projected. Um, now, imagine you had that, there was a humanitarian crisis somewhere in the world, and you had that every month, you know, 500,000 people. By month two, you would have a humanitarian crisis on your hands. There'd be tent cities and all the problems, sanitation and crime and all that sort of problems. So it matters how many people come in and what period of time they come in, you know, forget about where they come from. Just, just the fact that that pressure on not just um, housing, but just all kinds of infrastructure, schools, hospitals, uh, roads, all of that stuff. I mean, it matters and you've got to be able to, build the infrastructure to keep up with the population growth. And I mean, the only, the only thing I can see why they keep doing this labor is that they know the economy is in a shithole, yeah. but you can, you can, you can make it look better by pumping in more people and saying, well, GDP hasn't gone negative. We're still growing. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> per capita GDP is in the toilet and it's probably going to stay there for the next year. At least you've got the biggest decline in real wages since, I think basically statistics have been recorded. Uh, mm-hmm. It's worse than the early nineties. Um, so, you know, you, I don't know, you just, at some point something's got to give and the idiots running around saying this is the right wing dog whistle. And by the way, the people that run around say this, I mean, the teals like Allegra Spender, for example, I mean, she is a big Australia proponent mm-hmm. and also at the same time talking, whinging about, the impacts on the environment of fossil fuels. It's like, like this funneling in half a million people a year into the country has a massive impact on the environment. And she, she tries to say that they're, they're two separate issues. They're not, there's no way they're separate issues. You know, they're completely related. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, something's got to give them. I don't think there's too much problem where she lives, you know, my, um... of course not. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, well, this, I, was, I was talking to someone earlier in the week about this theory that, the further you live away from a thing, the more you're in favour of it, right? Yeah, okay. Um, so, the, the, so if the further you live away from any kind of wind farm or solar farm, you'll be in favour of it. There was a study done in Sweden, I think. There were problems in Stockholm with an immigrant population, and they surveyed people in Sweden, like, what do you think of this level of immigration? And the further you were away from that, area that was the problem area uh the more in favor of it you were you of know course. it's just out of sight out of mind and that's yeah. why i think a lot of the yes vote for the the for the voice is from inner city whiteies in uh you know elite suburbs where they basically they've, they've never even come into contact with an aboriginal person you know i know uh, yeah 
oh, I'll just, you know, the teals, just, I don't think they're going to last. Like, I don't know what they're offering. I can't see what they're offering the electorate. I think it's going to disappear quite quickly unless, you know, a couple of them might, might make it through, but it just doesn't seem they've got the legs at the moment. I can't see how this platform, well, even all... the, the young people are going against them. Like, I don't know. Well, yeah, the I mean, the, the fear, fear works because we came out of COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and they harnessed the fear of COVID. You just, you know, swap the swap COVID out for climate change. It works. There's a certain percentage of the population that's just yeah. living in perpetual fear of, of uh, these phenomena. And yep. uh, it works for some, not for others. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how much uh, money Simon will throw at them uh, next election. Yeah, but when your grocery bill and petrol's at two dollars a litre, um, like you might have bigger yeah. problems on your plate. You know, if you're actually yeah. in part of average Australia, <laughs> I'm not talking yeah. about you know the northern suburbs of you know northern beaches of Sydney like that. Yeah, they're not going to be and affected there's... by two dollars a litre petrol. Well, that doesn't affect them. Right? So I don't yeah. know. <laughs> They've got the same problem as as uh, the Labor Party in general, which is they're just out of touch with working class people. I mean, running around saying things like if the voice doesn't get up, the international community will look unfavorably on us. Like what, what, who cares that 24 year old kid who's renting a house with three other people and can barely pay the rent and, and is commuting 50 minutes to work each way in Sydney or something. It's like, Oh yeah, that, that really worries me what the international community is going to think of my, you know, like it's such an elitist. It's a, what, what does Rob Henderson call it? A luxury belief. It's a luxury belief. Yeah. 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 All right. So let's uh let's let's get off the ugly world of Australian politics and let's get into the Whoa. the similar similarly ugly world. I put this uh this chart in because uh, I thought it was nicely done by Yahoo Finance. Um mm. give them some credit. Um so that's basically they do the dot plot every six what what every three months, is it? Yeah, every three months. Um, and you can see in June, there was quite a scatter of, um, forecasts there. See the light Mm -hmm. blue. Yep. Um, so you had some people over 6% and now that see how they've all come Mm -hmm. in now for 2023 and they're pretty close. So, but it's still signifying one more right rate rise, right. Um, by the end of 2023, yeah, whether that happens or not, but the thing is they haven't really moved. And then for 2024, um, you know, the the consensus is actually higher than it was for 2024, 2025, slightly higher again. Um, so, and and why is that? Why is the Fed not lowered rate forecast? It was probably because look at their GDP forecast compared, you know, they said 1% in June. Now they're saying over two, 2024 is stronger. So they're saying, you know, rates have got to stay higher for longer because the economy's actually done better than we think. Yep. Um, but, I mean, the other part of that is that if this year's been a sort of a crappy year for the economy and, um, you know, the stock market really hasn't – well, actually, the stock market's done quite well, hasn't it, if you take from January 1st. Yes. But still – it's still – and and the NASDAQ's up, I don't know, 40% almost, something like that. Um but you look into 2024 and, you know, the growth is supposed to be worse than this year and things are supposed to be worse. Unemployment is supposed to be higher, although inflation will be down a bit. I mean, it's not exactly a fan for 
um, corporate profits and um, it's particularly where the stock market is valued at the moment. Um, but you know, we've uh, we've been saying this for a while, so maybe 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 you can just wait it out. Maybe you can just wait it out. The stock market doesn't need to go down. We just wait it out. We wait for the printer to go brrr and the interest rates to come down. I don't Could know. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just I've seen other things. You know, like in the seventies, nineties. You know, we had three waves of inflation, and it looks like yeah. we're in the bottom of the. You know. So it just goes in waves. It's not straight up and down. We've talked about this multiple times. You know, it doesn't go in one direction. And yeah, it's looking yeah. quite good at the moment. Um, so I'm trying to be positive, trying to look for things to, to do and, you know, possibly allocate or something. But yeah, it's still a long way off. They keep putting it into the future. And even Powell said, you know, forecasts, you know, like it's a mug's game, you know, like no one can yeah, yeah. do it. Like he even he admitted that and said, you know, we don't know what we're doing, you know, we've got some of the best in the world, but you know, they can't really determine what's going to happen in the economy. So I think they're surprised. And I think everybody is how well it's done. So yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think it's that, that two speed economy thing is, you know, the, there's a certain level of people who earn above a certain amount who are doing fine, it's particularly in the U S they're locked into some fixed rate 30 year mortgage at two and a half percent. They're laughing. Um, but you know, the, the bottom end, the bottom 50% are doing it much tougher. Um, I just, I just thought this was interesting. Uh, I got this off some guy on Twitter. He put this out. Um, so <laughs> inflation adjusted home prices oh, in yeah. 2023 are 85% overvalued compared to the 130 year average. Of course, the difference here, you know, and he pointed out, look, you know, you've had, when was the last time we got near this was, you know, financial crisis time. Yes. But I mean, people are, you know, you don't have, they're not just handing out mortgages to anyone with a heartbeat this yeah. time around in the United States. It, there is, there is people have more equity in their homes, no doubt about it. And inventory is um, way lower. Like those inventory yeah. levels, like it's just terrible. Like it's really bad. You know, that's what I'm looking at the, the home builders. They look quite good, yeah. you know, like when you look at the inventory level. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's it, again. It's sort of a a, a two tier uh, problem here, where you've got people locked into thirty years, just feeling great about it. Yeah. Uh, but if you're trying to get in, that's oh. the tough one, right? That's the tough one. Or refinancing, or you, yeah, whatever. Like, yeah. wow, or you have to move. Yeah, you have to oh, move or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Yeah. But mm. yeah. yeah, but that inflation adjusted, you know, I don't know. Like, that's going to come down, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a bit out of proportion. Well, this, is, yeah. this is the other thing is um, home values compared to median income. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> again, it's just and yeah, and this is this is the US, but exactly worse, the same yeah. here in Australia. The yeah, it'd be worse here. Canada uh, is another. New Zealand. I think yeah. there was a, yeah. there was a story out during the week about how Sydney was the most overvalued property market in the world now, something like that. Um, so yeah, again, but again, if, you know, if you're a double income family with over 300 grand yep. income a year, fine. It's, yeah. it's fine. You can afford a mortgage, but if, uh, you know, if yep. you're single, I mean, it's pretty hard to afford one unless you're earning 200 K. Cause I, I think, I think before all the interest rate rises kicked off in Australia, if your household income was about 130,000, you could afford a 500 K mortgage 
Now you need about 180, 190,000 to get that 500K mortgage, you know. So that's uh, it's quite a difference. Because you, you think, I mean, pe- 130K household, I mean, that's, that could just be two people on it. Yes. Yes. Not with, you know, great jobs, you know, less than median income, 270K jobs. Uh, but now you need two 95K jobs. It's a bit different. Uh, yeah. Well, they're not, you know, teachers or firemen or whatever, you know. Getting, you know, hundred and something grand a year. Like you got to kick in some goals to get over a hundred and something a year. Like both minors or something. Yeah, you'd be fine. But um, yep. yeah, the rest of society, it's a bit short for them. But I don't know. Something's got to change. <laughs> yeah, well, something will change. Either I suppose that we go back. I mean, I suppose the one thing that could change is you know you get runaway wages. Seems unlikely. Um, <laughs> And they erodes everything away. Uh-huh. Um, more likely to happen in the US than it is here. We yeah. never really got much wage inflation here. Um, <clears throat> or, um, yeah, just everything collapses and home prices come down. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I can see this staying artificially high in the US because yes. of the fact you've got all those people in some comfortable mortgages. Here it's a bit different because they're all got to come off within three to five years. Um, uh, most of the those people on low rates have come off. I think we're into the, the meat of it. We've yeah, got yeah. through about fifty to sixty percent of it. Mm-hmm. From, uh, uh, that's according to CBA. That's and they're the biggest home lender in Australia. They have got a bit of a buffer as well. So you know, you've got to add that in as well. They would have yep. put a bit of a cash buffer to hold them over in the offset count or whatever they've done. So I think, yeah, we still. I don't think we've. It just takes longer, like everything. Yeah, Our brains yeah. are way ahead of what well, actually happens in reality. That's all. That, that's what we keep telling ourselves. We just keep. Yes. Ah, it's just uh, it's just going to take a bit longer than we thought. <laughs> we'll be here in twenty twenty seven in this podcast. Ah, it's going to take a little bit longer. Be patient. Yeah, that's right. Um, the final chart was um. Treasury curve inverts uh, for a record period of time. You know, it's got a pretty good track record, those old inversions. You yeah. get these really small ones that happen for a very short period of time. I guess they would argue they're false signals, you know, here. Yeah. But when they're big fat ones, you usually get a recession pretty much straight after. It's pretty, uh, yeah. well, I suppose this one down here in the 60s, maybe you could argue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if it's coming, Better hurry up and get here. <laughs> and I've read somewhere it's the, the amount of time that's inverted gives you yeah. an indication of how bad the recession is. As you can see from here, when it really goes up yeah. high, like it seems to be pretty nasty, um, the yeah. length of the recession. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that was uh, that that Tobias Carlisle yes. tweet. Yes, oh, you saw that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. And how many months it's in there and like it's been, everyone's forgotten about it now. No one talks about the yeah. inverted. <laughs> like, that's gone. Like it's happened for too long now. Um, yeah, he said, yeah, he said yeah. it's turning up now. It's it's slightly uninverting. So, but I looked at it, and that's ticking. and that and that's actually that's actually the signal that you're right on the cusp of it starting <laughs> when it starts to uninvert. Right. Okay. That that yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we could get one of those. I guess we're due for a really ugly October, aren't we? We haven't had one for a while. Um, it's oh. the but. But it's, you know, it could be, um, 
What do you do? You believe in any of that horoscope stuff? You know, like oh, you know, October's oh, no. a bad I mean, time of year. September, well, Santa Claus rally and all this sort of stuff. You know, st- statistically, statistically, it is like it's yeah. it. I mean, if you look at like the worst months or the worst periods of time, uh, statistically, it is. But uh, you know, what's the causation? You know, <laughs> you can't put your finger on it, right? I mean, I mm. flip a coin. So yeah. 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 Um, all right, we're up to Expel, back to a US company this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one's a paint protection film company. Yeah, and on, mm. the, on the surface, you think, oh, commodity, what a junk company this could be. But you look deeper, and they've actually got a, you know, a, a product quality moat and a service moat. Yeah. Uh, car dealerships are getting squeezed on margin because they're selling a commodity. So add-on products are becoming an opportunity to add profit back. Over the last two to three decades, um, there's been a high, high number of high-end cars being sold, and they are looking for paint protection. I've been totally wrong on this. I didn't see that. So, um, you know, that's what happens. Uh, most films um, don't have self-heal and a poor quality, and so that's one of the and one of the biggest advantages for Expel is customer service and software. Imagine you're a car detailer, you earn a couple of hundred dollars washing a car, but wrapping a few cars per day, you can earn a few thousand dollars a day. Right. You're not going to penny pinch a few dollars to buy a cheaper film that doesn't look and work as well. The cheaper film has a much higher chance of that may need to be replaced, which costs you another huge amount of labor. So you're unlikely to go with a cheaper film. Expel also provide great software. You put in the make, model, and year of the car, and on the plotter, it cuts out the perfect-sized sheets for that particular make and model, saving you hours and hours of time. It's hard to beat a product that adds so much value. Competitors are in this area, but they're not investing, and they're not focused on this luxury and semi-luxury customer. So there's no, right. there's no decent fight. Let's have a look at the fundamentals. Shares are stable. Employees are growing far less than revenue. Price to earnings and price to free cash flow are, are crazy expensive. Um, yep. Return on vested capital and margins are great, stable, and improving. There is no dividend, <laughs> which is great for a high growth company. And look at the growth rates. Like, this is crazy. Like, this is twice what MasterCard and Visa or Microsoft are. And it's a 20 year old company. Um, if we flip over and have a look at the cash flow, you can see they've got you know, a little bit of debt, but it's easily covered by cash flow. Yep. Currently, it's a POU 40. So the market is factoring a fair bit of growth, but you can see the growth is there. Um, yep. Based on the past, um, we can clearly see that this is you know, customer discretionary. And so the luxury market will hold a, a little bit in a recession, but the mass volume in the B-class luxury will be hit really hard. Yep. In 2018, you could have purchased this for 18 PE. So if we have a recession, this could even drop to, you know, a 10 to 13 PE. It's been a 40 bagger since 2006. And my guess it's got legs on an economic recovery. Right. So it's one All of right. these ones that, most people won't look at because 
it just looks commoditized. But you just look at those growth numbers, like that is insane. Like, <laughs> so what, what? What I mean, what? What's paint protection? There, there's a film that goes over the the car that so when a piece of a little rock gets flicked up while you're driving and doesn't chip the paint, basically, is this what yeah. we're talking about? So let's say if you're a little business owner um, and you bought yourself a, a Porsche, you know, it's worth yep. eighty grand or one hundred and twenty grand or whatever. And you go, oh, like I want to protect my investment a bit. You just put a clear film over, over the body of the paint. And so if you get a, a rock hit to your car or whatever, mm. yeah, you don't have to re-spray paint the car. You can just, and then you can put different types of film on there as well, like graphite things and makes it look, the car look different. Um, so you got all these little, and they're doing all these other extra stuff, but this is where the money is. Um, yeah. And it's just the amount of luxury cars that are sold now, like Audis, BMWs, you know, Mercs, you know, like it's just insane. The amount of semi-luxury vehicles you see on the road nowadays. You go back 30 years, yeah. you wouldn't see that. You know, if you saw someone driving a Mercedes, you're going, holy hell, they're doing well. Like it's a bit of a treat, you know, but nowadays, like it's every you know fifth car you see is a semi-luxury car. And these people want to protect their investment. So... Um, yeah, it sort of makes sense, and you can see why they've got these phenomenal growth numbers. And you know, look at that return yeah. on invested capital like, well, that's insane. Like, and the margins are you know very healthy. Um, yeah, yeah, and they're but not they're actually not, doing but, um, yeah. I mean, their, their shares are increasing, so they're not uh, some of that reinvested capital is going into paying people more shares, ESOP. Oh. Yeah, a little bit, but it's nothing really, you know. Um, yeah, and you you see from the share price, it's just, you know, like I told you, it's a 40 bagger since 2016, uh, two, yeah. 2016, sorry, uh, 2006, sorry, 40 bagger. So, yeah. Um, well, they have increased their shares by, uh, you know, 50% in the last three years, basically. Shares, out, shares outstanding. <clears throat> That's the oh, float sorry. freight. That's yeah. the float. That's no, a free float. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Shares XA looking pretty good to me. Uh, just yeah. constant. Yeah. Just constant. Mm. Yep. I'm yeah. The free float. Yeah. That's a bit of a concern. Yes. Like more stuff are out there. But um, yeah, it's just said standing that really long term, the one that you're going to be looking at. Um, yeah. Do they pay a dividend? I hope not. Like, <laughs> I hope they go. Yeah. I hope they go yeah. into other markets. Like imagine Australia, you've got New Zealand, you've got the UK, you've got, you know, this system that all of all of Europe would be, you know, yeah. So the growth huge here, market, you know, it's just yeah, great. And like you've got plenty of places to expand into. And and if you're a car dealership, like you're a Mercedes car dealership, you're not going to be wanting to sell a cheap film. You want to be selling top line stuff, and you want to be adding, you know, having add-ons to really add value. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's it's just highly cyclical. Like, this really crashed in 08, 09. This really got hammered. Like, but this is what I want in my cyclical pile. This is the sort of stuff yep. that you really, really want because it's going to get really, really hated. And, um, yeah. But you don't normally see gross rates like that for something that's, you know, pretty industrial. <laughs> like car film and stuff like how do you get a yeah. plus thirty percent growth rates? You know, Kagers. Yeah, that is in, insane. So you could basically yeah. buy, buy this now 
and you could be fine, but it's just way very expensive still. Like, look at those numbers, no? Well, I suppose, I mean, I suppose it's, I mean, it, it feels like this shouldn't be too hard to replicate, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, so what, you, you yeah, we, we have all the, the specs of all the cars in computer and you just put it in and, yeah, we just cut it out, whack yep. it on. <laughs> it doesn't sound, doesn't sound that hard, does it? No. But, uh, but other people are yeah. focused on other areas like, you know, 3M and all these other people, they do great products as well. It's just they don't have all that service package that, right. you know, like a, a car dealership or a car detailer would want. Um, yeah. And you've got all the car modding scene and all that, which these guys just love putting on, you know, films onto their car because they want to, you know, make the car mm. look different. You know, they want a different look or feel to the car. It's like painting your car, but a way less bright. You know, know what I mean? Like, so yeah. So is this when you go in to buy? You know, when you go in to buy a new car today, they'll you know, they, okay, you buy the new car, and then they come out, they they wheel out the the, the accessories person that comes out and goes, oh, do you want floor mats and tinting and blah blah blah? Yeah. So this is part of that. Is presumably when you go into, they're in um, um, dealerships, so yes. the dealership will have this as an option. Yeah. Yep. And and that the and, dealership don't want to be doing, you know, callbacks and, you know, fixing products and all that. They just yeah. want something they can just roll out, put a huge huge margin on and, you know, never see you again. Sort of thing. you know, like an ex an expel doesn't have to have shops everywhere where they no. put this stuff on. It's because uh -huh. it's at the dealership, they just go, Here you go. The dealership just orders the, the film, whack it on. Yeah. Okay, so now that starts to make more sense now, doesn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah you look at the employees. There's like 800 of them working in the com company here, like yeah, and you <laughs> billions worth of sales. Like, yeah, mm. that's not that hard. You just need a few salespeople rigging up, you know, reps for all the car detailers and car modders and car dealerships. There's heaps of them, and they're starved for revenue at the moment. So they're really yeah. looking for something, and um, yeah, this is where they're gonna. Oh, they they do car window tinting as well, but obviously they're not a specialised. You know, they, they haven't got a, any advantage in that really. But so yep. yeah, yeah, I think it's a great product, and like somebody could take them on here. You are right; it's still a commodity type product. Someone could really, but yeah, people are they haven't no, nah. and these guys are just keep taking it away and taking it away, and you know, just look at the last six years. You know, it's just insane. So. Yeah. All right. Another good find there by Tim. Um, he's moved back to North America this week. So take a look at Expel, everybody. And we will see you next time.